Welcome to Kick Back with Chris, Martial Arts Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Kick Back with Chris. Um, it's great to be here with everybody again. This week has, wow, it's f- absolutely flown by. Um, so much so, we're actually going to be doing things a little bit differently on today's show. Um, actually sort of going back to to the root, so to speak, back to episode one. But I'll uh, I'll come to that a little bit later on. First of all, I wanted to share with you some news, uh, things that have been going on in the martial arts community um, over the last week since the last podcast. Um, so the first bit of news I've got is that uh, Gordon Bircham's new uh, app, the Martial Arts app, is now uh, fully launched. Um, I know some people out there have been um, helping out with the, the beta testing of the app, uh, myself included, having a click around. Um, it's all really, really cool stuff. Um, so essentially, um, t- to sort of compress it, I suppose, uh, explain what it is, um, the app itself is it's for... Well, it's kind of for everybody, really, whether you're a student, an instructor, um, somebody who's just sort of into martial arts but doesn't necessarily practice it. But it's like a, it's kind of like an all-in-one app, um, like all of the best features of sort of social media, the internet, all sort of packaged into one place. Um, it's available on both Apple and Android devices, um, so no excuse really not to go check it out. Oh, and it's free as well, which is it's even better. Um, but in there... You can sort of you can select the the arts that you practice, and then you can go in there and you can search for news. Um, eventually, there's going to be a section for experts to post um, videos and, and syllabus packages uh, and all sorts of cool stuff. So go check it out. Also on there, um, there is a, a podcast section and. We're really happy to be able to announce that we're one of the first podcasts on there. You can go on there and actually check it out now. So if you go onto the App Store or Google Play and search for the Martial Arts app, it should come up. You can download it. It's free. Have a click around. Oh, and if you've got a school, you can actually add your school into the club listing section as well. Um, so your students can go on there and use it. So, yeah, go go check it out. Um, the uh, Kaizen Show timetable is now live. Um, I'm just actually going to click onto my profile now and look it up. I did have this app. There we go. Um, In case anybody's wanting to know, obviously, I'm not going to list everybody's um, times because there's a lot of instructors going to be there. I didn't realize, actually, until I looked at the timetable, how many people are going to be there. So lots to choose from. But uh, myself, um, obviously, I'm, I'm going to give myself a cheeky plug. Um, I'm going to be teaching my kicking workshop uh, on Zone 5 at 12.30, roughly. Um, I'll be there from before then, so if there is any changes, then obviously we'll do our best to let people know. As is the case with all these events, changes quite change quite often happens. You know, the times are maybe put forwards, put back, uh, areas are moved. So just keep a listen out um i will if anything does change uh, and i and i can get access to the internet i will obviously update everybody via this group and via all my various groups so that people know um what also might be cool as well is if i can arrange it is anybody interested that might want to record a bit for uh, the podcast that follows directly after that event be nice to get a few people's uh words and, and, and things from the event um so if you're interested in that do ask when you're there um the next bit of news comes from uh, Kate Malion, who's let me know um, about the fifth annual WWTF EMTF, I think I've written that right, uh, World Championships uh, hosted at the Copper Box London in August. Um, it's in conjunction with the Yongido and Elite Tang Sudo group. So uh, the best thing to do if you're interested in that and you want more information is to get in touch with Kate Direct on Facebook. Um, I will, with all of these news articles I should have mentioned at the start, I will actually leave show notes Um or should I say, I will leave notes in the show notes. Um, and for those of you that are hear me referencing the show notes and don't know what that is, um, when you go onto the description, whether you're looking at this on um, iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever service, um, it, it will display, I would imagine it would display best on SoundCloud. Um, underneath the actual recording, that you play uh, there is a list of text and there's clickable links in there so that's what the show notes is so if you ever hear me talking about that and you don't know what it is that's what it is but yeah um, all the things I talk about today will be in the show notes Um, the fourth bit of news and this is a this is a cool one for me as a bit of a geek and a fan of martial arts movies Um, it's been announced that Mark Dacascos is going to be having a starring role in John Wick 3 um, which is 
is super cool. Um, I, from what I've read, from what I've looked up, he looks to be playing a villain, which he does really, really well. I know some people get disappointed when they hear that their favourite actor or actress is playing a villain, but for me, Mark playing, uh, he plays such such a good villain. If you if you saw him uh, in his role of as Wofat in Hawaii Five O, you'll know what I mean. Um, obviously, a phenomenal actor um, and a, a fantastic martial artist. Uh, for me, I first discovered his work way back in the 90s in, in Only the Strong, the Capoeira um, movie, which if you've not seen, it's super cheesy, but it's super, super brilliant as well. Um, the story of a... Um, he, trying to remember, he was a soldier that came back. They didn't really kind of explain what he was doing, from what I remember, but his soldier came back, got involved with the high school, teaching all the sort of unruly kids martial arts, and they go fight the gang members. You know, it's, it's sorry. It's, stereotypical cheesy movie but such such good fun and some great martial arts scenes um, and also uh, for his role in the film Drive um, for those of you not seen it it's the well there is actually a 2011 movie with the same name but it's not that one um, I'm talking about the 1997 film um, directed by Steve Wang uh, featuring um, action choreography and stunts by Koichi Sakamoto and his team and um, it's it is it's probably one of the best uh, sort of Western martial arts movies uh, featuring martial arts. So go, yeah, I would definitely go go check that one out if you've not seen it because it is it's a brilliant movie. But yeah, back to the original point. Uh, Mark Dacascos in John Wick three. Obviously, the John Wick franchise is brilliant. Um, I love the first two, and I think that um, this will be even better now that Mark is on board. Um, the fifth bit of news I've got for you is coming from Mr. Neil Kirkland, who has uh, let us know that on June the 23rd, he's going to be hosting a kickboxing workshop with uh, Pat O'Keefe. Um, and this is as part of Neil's um, adaptive martial arts group. So if that's something you're interested in, if you get in touch with Neil, as I say, the the, the details on how to get in touch with him will be in the show notes if you check that out. Um, the sixth bit of news I've got for us is uh, that uh, Gordon, Gordon Bircham, actually who, if you go back to the the first bit of news I had regarding the martial arts app, this is the same guy. Um, if, if those of you that know Gordon will know he is just so busy. He, he, he makes it, it makes me feel like I'm standing still. The guy is that busy. But um, he is going to be hosting a super, this is a great one for uh, martial arts instructors, um, anybody looking to open a school, or people like myself who have been teaching full-time for 20 years. Um, this, I know, that's it's a long time isn't it 20 years I only realised it the day actually but uh, that's for another day um, but yeah he's running a, a masterclass on July the 1st um, on martial arts uh, marketing um, every, everything to do with marketing your school you know all the, all the, the, the basically the marketing mix um, the different different things we we're all tend to be very good at focusing on one area and not looking at the other things but uh, Gordon's going to be sort of working with instructors to help them out now um, the really cool thing about this one is that it's free, okay? And that isn't something that you hear a lot of in the martial arts industry. There's very, very few people that give things away for free, um, other than obviously me and my podcast. But uh, <laughs> but no, seriously, um, Gordon's a cool guy, and he's done a lot to help out the, the martial arts industry. And the really unique thing about him is he is a... A, a super super clever guy when it comes to um the the business side of martial arts but he is a martial artist first and foremost and um, this is why i rave about the guy so much you can help grow your business but you don't have to in any way affect the quality of what you're doing to achieve it as well which is for me the most important thing um so yeah go check that out it's um he's running it in conjunction with his group the martial arts business mastery community so if you look that up on the internet i say the details will be in the show notes um so you can go check that that out so a uh, little bit of news now i suppose it's personal one this one um although i, I actually like to think of this podcast now as being more our podcast um so i'm sure some of you will have heard uh, the sort of update that i put out i won't call it a podcast because it was like two minutes long and um, but earlier in the week i put out a little podcast just to share some news that have been going on um for for us and um, in that the show uh, got picked up by itunes which was wow it was kind of like jumping through a f- bunch of fiery hoops wearing a blindfold on roller skates um it, wow, it was it was difficult. It was it's a very tricky process to get sorted out. But anyway, long long story short, we got there. We got on iTunes. We got things working eventually. Um, so uh, since it's got on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course on Gordon's Martial Arts app, uh, the listenership has kind of skyrocketed. Um, 
and that's not that's not me over exaggerating or trying to ham, no ex- exaggerate things. It's the the fact is it's kind of gone a little bit crazy, um, more so than I was expecting. But we've got listeners now coming in from um, the the SoundCloud app that I use to to monitor the stats. It, it lets me see where people are listening from. We've got people from obviously the UK, we've got the US, we've got Germany, we've got China, we've got Japan, we've got Spain. We got I could keep going. It's absolutely crazy to think that my little podcast that I thought up back on May the 18th has gone from absolutely nothing to being listened by people kind of across the world. It's just it's just mind-boggling. Mind and all I suppose all I can do is thank you guys. I know I keep saying this, but thank you guys for your support. Now, um, something that you guys can actively help with um, to help me to push this forwards, to make it to make it work longer term because now this is incurring costs for me and obviously I have to be able to to justify those costs um, is if you guys could go when you're on iTunes or whichever podcast app you're using um, if there's an option to subscribe first of all do subscribe um, if there's but there is if there's an option to uh, rate and write a review or leave a star review if you could do that um, it's not a vanity thing it just tells the podcast um, system uh, that people are liking what's going on and it sort of pushes it up the rankings and makes it more visible um, instead of it being hidden in the depths with all the other one, like one or two episode podcasts that then disappear. Um, so yeah, especially if you're on iTunes because it's dead easy on there, but on whichever one you're on, Stitcher, tune in whichever, if you could leave a review and uh, rate it, do the star thing, leave comments, that that all helps to tell those systems that you're enjoying what you're listening and it pushes it further up the rankings and then obviously makes it much easier uh, for people to find. Um, okay, so our f- uh, final topic I'm, I'm going to go through in the news section. This is going to kind of lead into the next section that we're going to do um, is one of a... Well, it's... It's one of those it's one of those really kind of sad things to see, but it, it is news and we can't overlook it. Um, I won't mention the guy's name or his school or the particulars of the case. Um, I think I think everybody, well, a lot of people saw it all over Facebook, um, but a particularly sorry incident in the um, a martial arts. I will say instructor in inverted quotes. Um, well, essentially, he hurt two of his students in his class, uh, which resulted in him being um, sentenced for uh, those activities. Um, now, obviously, I, I'm, I'm being careful on what I say. You've got to be with these sort of things. But I think it's fair to say most people saw the article that was bouncing around the internet. And it actually got me um, discussing this with a number of different people who were um, you know, senior figures in the different associations, actually run associations, about what it is that we can do as an industry now obviously the martial arts industry is completely self-regulated for the most part um, and it's down to us to make sure that we are doing the best we can for our students but what's evident from from the number of incidents that are popping up um, maybe it's not that there are more incidents maybe it's just more that there are because of social media being the way it is the second something happens and it gets on social media everybody knows straight away that being said, that doesn't doesn't mean it doesn't need tackling. Um, is there the need for more control? Dare I say, more regulation? How would we go about that, though? What what are the sort of things that we could do? And I think these are the conversations um, that need to be that perhaps need to be happening more. Now, I know over the years that there has been uh, attempts by various different groups to try and get things in place, and it tends to all sort of fall through, and and, and nothing tends to happen. Um, but one thing that I had discussed with uh, a, a couple of different people, um, and they'd had actually had the same idea as well, is if it would be possible for there to be some sort of, almost like an instructor MOT. Um, like uh, if you think, you know, you go for your first day course every three years, um, is there something that could be put together for martial arts instructors, sort of... Uh, uh, involving everything i know with martial arts there are so many different styles that it is impossible to regulate all of the different arts but surely as instructors the moment you become an instructor there are there are for sure key elements that are universal um so would it not be possible for something like as i say a three-year refresher course just so that there is a little bit of extra accountability there um 
Would we be able to make it a legal requirement? Probably not, just in the sense that, you know, it's... It isn't technically a legal requirement to be insured or have first aid. It's just seen as good practice. Could we not make it so that it is good practice to have uh, this particular sort of three-year martial arts instructor-based training course completed? Now, I understand, and I, I, it's a, it's a difficult one because I'm, I'm one of those people that is wanting there to be more regulations so that we don't have as many of these incidents that we hear with instructors sort of abusing their position but we need to be careful that we don't push like crazy to an extent where and if anybody out there is a teacher or works in the education system you'll know exactly where I'm coming from with this one we don't want to end up with almost like an Ofsted type situation where and again I'm I'm not speaking for teachers here I just know from my experience of people family members and friends that work as teachers I, I tend to see them doing more paperwork more generating of stats more filling in forms more going on courses and how to fill in forms than actually thinking about teaching and I, and I think that if we're not careful we could end up with that same sort of situation within martial arts where we actually as instructors spend more time filling out forms completing documents completing courses on how to fill out those documents than actually being creative in our and in our instructing our teaching and focusing on our students so it's a fine balance it's a very very difficult one but it's it's, it's at the same time it's clear that we that we do need to to, to try and find out a way of tackling this one so maybe you have your thoughts on that one if you want to if you want to write in um on that subject if you do want to write into the show if you want to go to our new website that's there um we you can reach us at uh, www.martialartspodcast.co.uk alternatively you can also get us at www.kickbackpodcast.com and of course through our kickback with chris um podcast facebook group uh, if you go on there if you apply to join we we have the apply to join thing on there just so that we can monitor um, the amount of people coming in it's not a security thing it's it's purely just so that um i every time somebody comes into the group i can just see that they're coming into the group and just keep tabs on on what's what um so yeah that brings us to the end of the news section so I mentioned at the beginning of the show we were going to do things a little bit differently today to what we've done in the previous few episodes. Um, rather than having a guest on today, what we're going to do is we're actually going to run it as sort of like a, a Q&A based section, um, an opportunity to, to, to chat through uh, topic points that people have been sending to me over the last week um, they are actually still coming in so what I'm going to do in a moment is just pause for a second um, and go check out what people have been having to say um, after this quick advert thank you you're listening to kick back with chris the martial arts podcast brought to you by www.onlinekicking.co.uk okay guys so to the q a section that i mentioned earlier um this is the first time we've done this so it's been an interesting process getting the questions in and it's been it's been really cool to see the the sort of variety of people that have, have commented asked questions and indeed the types of different questions that have come in so starting off with question one from mr neil kirkland um he's asking about balance uh, how do you help people with poor balance to kick better okay so obviously there can be a number of reasons why people um struggle with balance there might be um, an underlying physical issue there um it might be either um, through something that they've been struggling with uh, l- longer term uh, it might be a lifelong problem it might be from an injury or the result of treatment from an injury um it, it, again there's, there's obviously many many different reasons so i'm just going to try and give sort of a, a general answer uh, it's not going to be a, a, a one answer fixes all um essentially with balance what i find helps um, and something that um, I used to train actually, and I do use this a lot with with students, uh, younger students, and 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 indeed at the opposite end as well, older students that struggle, is to give them um, almost like a mental crutch to work with. Okay, so what I mean by that is uh, you could either. Uh, lean by a wall, lean on the back of a chair, uh, use a partner. Um, somebody you trust obviously um, and if you're going to do this with kids you've got to really watch that one on a serious note because obviously they are um, going to be 
helping each other to stay stay upright and stable. Um, but w- trying to describe it over audio is quite a tricky one. But um, essentially, what I would do is let let's say we're working a a basic side hook or round turning kick combination. Um, you'd have the standing foot, the rear foot, sort of toes turned towards the wall or to the back of the chair or the radiator cover. Obviously, with the radiators off. Um, to get your foot in the position that it would be in if you were performing the kick normally. And then with the hand, the corresponding hand, so it was your left foot towards the wall or the chair, um, using your left hand um, to uh, brace yourself to... to so I won't say hold yourself up because you're not fully holding yourself up. It's just that sensation of, of having something against your hand um, that mentally allows you to, to sort of not think too much about that supporting leg that standing leg and allows you to think more about the technique okay um, and with time and that is the important factor here with time you slowly start to rely less and less and less on the, the back of the chair or the wall the radiator or whatever it is you're leaning on um, I don't know why I keep saying radiator. There's radiators in my gym that we use. We never turn them on because I'm tight. <laughs> we tend to use them as a, as a training aid more than actually for heating up the building. Uh, but no, back to what I was saying. Um, you slowly, slowly start to rely less on the, the object you're using to lean against and, and concentrate and shift the, the focus back onto your standing foot. Really, really concentrating on making sure that it's in a good position for helping you with balance. Way too many, many times you see people with their feet um, pointing in completely the wrong direction or position um, for their kick. Now, I know that this is going to be, to a certain extent, a subjective one on the basis that different arts have different requirements, different kicks, etc. But just as a general rule for, for maybe sort of lead leg kicking, um, having that back foot turned around properly prior to going for the kick is going to make such a huge difference because you're going to be using the leg um, in the manner that it's designed to work as opposed to working against it. Um, it's one of those things, I guess, that, um, and this is not a cheeky plug for my uh, my online course, but you would need to sort of have a look um, at, at, at tutorials on, say, YouTube. There are lots of others as well. Um, but if you are stuck, I would be happy to, to help if you want to get in touch direct. So hopefully there's something there that, that helps you with that one. Okay, so question two from my good friend, Mr. Simon Fell. He asks, how did you make it into movie work? Okay, well, you've got to go, right, you need your time machine for this one. Okay, so you've got to go back now to, it would be around 1999, 2000, somewhere around then. Um, it, well, actually, probably the initial spark came before then. It would have been around 95, 96 uh, I just uh, I came across the Jackie Chan movie Rumble in the Bronx, and I must have watched that a thousand times in a week. <laughs> no, I did. I, I saw it, and I saw this guy on screen doing all these crazy things, and I was just like, "That's what I want to do." Um, and then a, a little bit later on, we had TV series like there was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There was uh, Martial Law. Anybody remembers the Sammo Hung TV series Martial Law? That was fantastic. I love that. There was a Mortal Kombat TV series that was out for a while as well. Um, and these all sort of landed around the time that I was really, really heavily focused on my on my martial arts training. And uh, in particular, uh, I was. It was around the time I was coming up to black belt testing, so I was. I was really focused and working it a, a, a lot more seriously. Um, at the same time, one of my instructors, um, uh, a very talented martial artist and actor now by the name of Scott Hines, um, he was pursuing a, a career um, in film work, and that sort of put the idea in my head as well that that you know this is something that. I could do as well. This is something that I could achieve, and you know, being young and um, ambitious, um, I wasn't going to let anything, anything step, step or stand in my way. And um, so I just went crazy for it. Um, the, initially, I would videotape myself doing techniques. 
Um, you know, I, I things like you know, I was, tra- I was training in. I'd actually moved away, and I was training in uh, a school hall. So I can't remember where it was. Um, and I, you know, I'd blag ten minutes at the end of the class while they were tidying up chairs and get my friends to come down with his camcorder and film me doing some kicks. Um, and then back then, video editing at home was was a painful experience. You know, having a VCR hooked up to the computer with a capture card, and the the video files would take hours to render, like hours and hours. And there'd be these tiny sort of stamp size um, digital files uh, that now if you were to try and watch these, you just wouldn't even be able to see them. They'd be that small. Um, And then I would post those on, initially, I was posting them on like message boards, um, something they don't really have anymore. But um, there was a Jackie Chan message board, I remember, that was a a member of. And there was a a good friend of mine, is a director now by Steve Lawson, that saw um, one of the videos that I posted and he um, asked if I would be part of a, uh, uh, I think it was a, a piece for a, it was some sort of late night TV thing, I think it was Jonathan Ross one or something, I can't remember, it was that long ago, we're, we're talking like nearly 19 years ago, so um, that was where I got started, uh, and then he was um, doing his own, uh, making his own film, um, I got a small role in that. Um, and then at the same time, there was other people. There's a, a di- another friend and director of mine, uh, Ross Boyask. He was um, p- putting his own film together, and it sort of snowballed from there. You know, I, I then met other people that were doing the same thing, um, some of whom have now gone on to do huge, huge things. Um, but we, we were all sort of working together on the same things. So slowly but surely, I, would, I was building up this material, this footage uh, that I, I sort of taught myself to video edit. Um, taught myself how to make a website. Um, I had, <laughs> had lots of spare time, <laughs> um, and you know I really, really focused on getting those. I got sent. Uh, I learned how to burn VCDs. This is before DVDs. You could really sort of burn at home, um, and I sent those VCDs to everywhere that you could you could imagine. Any if I could find an address to send a VCD to, they got them, uh, and probably somebody listening now got one of my VCDs at one point. Um, a little bit prior to that, I was actually sending out, believe it or not, VHS cassettes in the post as well to people. Um, it'd actually be interesting if, if anybody has any of those original VCD or VHS copies. Um, but yeah, I um, I was sending those all all over the world. And, and I've just basically plugged at it um, persistently and consistently for, for, for years. And slowly but surely, start I started to get traction, and you know I started to get offered more work, and it all sort of built up to a crescendo around sort of um, 2007 to 2009, and when I started getting um, you know really good job offers abroad, you know working in China um, and around Europe, and the last sort of big big job offer that came in was um, I got offered. The opportunity to work with the um, Red Bull Formula One team to stunt double one of their then um, drivers, Mark Webber, for a promotional piece. I believe it was for the first Singapore Grand Prix, if memory serves. And anyway, my my son had just been born. He was he was literally a few weeks old, um, and I'd told myself, I'd promised myself that I wasn't going to take any work abroad at, at that time. And um, that was a personal decision. Um, and then probably it was a matter of months later I actually ended up having to have a knee operation which meant that I needed to take a year off of anything Um, and in that period I sort of turned my focus more towards my martial arts school and um, took my foot off the gas a little bit too much with the the film the film thing and um, Anyway, I, I'm in the process of trying to get back into it again. Um, it's a, the thing with it is, is it's the way to describe it. It's a little bit trying to jump back on to a treadmill, uh, running at full speed, and it, it's uh, it, it's not an easy process. Um, but I'm I'm giving it a go. I've I've done a few bits here and there this last couple of years. Um, this uh, uh, again going back to his same friend of mine, Steve Lawson, had a production called. Um, Essex Heist that some of you may have seen. Um, it was available in HMV and, and uh, supermarkets. Um, I did the, the the fight work for that, a little bit of doubling as well. 
Um, there's another film. There's actually, I don't know if it's going to stay with the same working title because I know there are actually two films with the same title, but moved by the name of Vengeance. I did some of the choreography work for that as well, and that's due out sometime soon. It's been at Cannes Film Festival and other places. So I am still keeping active, um, trying to reinvent myself now, I suppose. Um, obviously coming up to, to nearly 40 as opposed to at the time when I started out, I just turned 20. So you know, if anybody out there's listening and you need a nearly forty-year-old that can flap his legs around a little bit, give us a shout. Um, go check out my website at chrisjonesaction.co.uk. <laughs> Cheeky plug. But yeah, hopefully that answers your question, Simon. Um, question three from Mr. David Jenkins at the BKC: um, What is it going to take for everyone to start working together? Now, I get a bit of background on this one. What what? Uh, uh, David's talking about there is I'm presuming is the sort of martial arts community as a whole what is it going to take for everyone to start working together there's no one simple answer for that one is there really I mean that's probably why he's asked for the question Um, there are so 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 many variables within this industry Um, an equal amount of egos and uh, a whole lot of money I I would say um and what is it going to take for everybody to work together i don't really think it's possible to have everybody work together is it possible to get a larger majority to work together possibly um but that is going to take it's going to take an, an awful lot of give and take uh, on, on from everybody really to, to to get that sort of sort of dream to come true um would it be better if everyone was working together i suppose there's another question that is worth considering um i'm not sure that it would be i'm not saying that it wouldn't but um for sure there it, it it's really not an interesting not sorry not an easy one to answer uh, possibly one worthy of a, a of a longer slot maybe even an entire show um so you're going to have to leave that one with me, David, while I have a good think on it, because it's, it's really not an easy one. Maybe if anybody out there listening now has any um, input on that one, uh, drop us a line. You can obviously go through the website or go through the Facebook group. If you've got any thoughts on what you feel it would take for the martial arts industry um, to start working together more. Um, Mr. Jamie Club, who we had on the show last week, um, his question is relating to honesty in martial arts business. Um, how do you set your standards and allowances within martial arts? Okay, this is quite a big one as well, really. Um, honesty in martial arts business. This is something that's a bit, personally for me it is a big one. I'm really big into um, people being honest about what it is that they do. Um, I am the first to say I, I, you know, I am not. I am not the best martial arts instructor there is but I try to be the best martial arts instructor I can be and obviously there's a big difference between those two things um for me personally um I've I I train daily still um not to the same level that I once did I'm not suggesting that everybody out there should do the same but for me personally I feel that it's my duty to be in the best shape that I can be regardless of injuries in history in that respect Uh, but no to be in the best shape that I can be for my students um to you know kind of living by the things that i am putting on them the expectations that i put on them i'm you know i'm i'm a do as i say person i don't want to be you know um one of those people that 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 you know do as i say not as i do you know i i am I want to set an example to, especially to my younger students. You know, I've got kids that train with me as young as four. I, I don't want to be preaching to them about self-control and discipline and focus, and then thinking, oh, you know, and no, I can't really be bothered to train today. So, you know, I, I, that's that for me. I feel that is my um, my part to play, and that is that is my piece of being being honest towards my students. Um, there are obviously there are many other forms of honesty within martial arts business that you could discuss, um, but I think for me that's the key the key area. As for standard, standards and allowances, again, this is pro- this is a hugely subjective one, and this is a, a very much a personal one. Um, myself, um, when it comes to allowances in martial arts, I'm a, I'm big into inclus- inclusivity. 
um, and allowing people from from all backgrounds to take part. Does that mean there needs to be allowances? Absolutely, it does. You know, uh, black belt to one person is a completely different thing to another. I know that some people have big issues with uh, younger kids getting black belts, and I do agree with that to a certain extent. You know, when you see um, three-year-olds and, and four-year-olds getting second and third degrees, uh, it, you know, it, it, it is a little bit of a of a worrying one for me that one. But I won't go too much down that one today. Um, as for allowances, you know, um, I, I've got people that train with me with, with all sorts of life challenges. And, you know, I, for me as an instructor, as long as I can see that they are pushing themselves to their limit, their own personal limit, what more can I ask for? Does that mean that I am then prepared to make allowances for them? Absolutely, I am. Um, will I make allowances with regards to um, the uh, ethics and m- morality side of martial arts and business absolutely not you know um uh, there are key things that i don't allow in my my business um some may argue that that has held it back as a business but you know i am prepared to take that knock if it means that i feel that i am providing a service that is morally and ethically correct um again it's a subjective one some people might not agree with my methods some people don't like schools that charge monthly we charge monthly. Um, you know, I, I, I've got um, rent to pay. Uh, I, I, you know, I've, I've got a, a ten-year lease that I need to be able to um, to pay. So, you know, I need to do things monthly to make that work. I can't rely on people saying they're going to turn up week to week. I need to to charge monthly. Um, but there are some people I feel that go to the extremes. Personally, I don't agree with with contracts, twelve month contracts, two year contracts for for, for four year old kids. You know, um, kids change their mind constantly um i know as as parents and instructors it is our job to sort of keep them on the path but ultimately if they do change their mind and they find that martial arts isn't for them having them tied they having their parents tied in to t- t- a year or, or two years just for me it doesn't seem to be the right way to approach martial arts but again that's just me maybe you have your own thoughts again if you have thoughts on that one and you want to get in touch please do uh, get in touch with me uh, mr nick thomas um, how have you managed the process of starting and starting out to running your own school okay okay uh so my martial arts school has been open now for around 15 years um Prior to that, I had worked for a couple of quite large, um, dare I say, sort of commercial, sort of big martial arts schools in the UK. So I had experience both teaching full-time and being around the business side of martial arts as well and having an idea of, of how things work. So I, ha- I had quite a, a, a good idea of the sort of things that I, I wanted for my school and the things that I really didn't want for my school uh, based on my previous experience. Um, and... I guess I kind of went into it with, well, I was young uh, and confident. As I said, especially it was around the same sort of time as I was pursuing the film career. So I was a bit of naivety, I, re- I suppose, really. And I, I and an awful lot of luck. I, when, I, when I say luck, I, I, it's a such a thing. I suppose you create your own luck through hard work, don't you? But a building became free near uh, the unit that my dad was working from. He had a business as a plastic fabricator. And I wasn't I wasn't doing I was teaching out of rented halls out of a, actually out of a dance a local dance school. I'd been there probably about six weeks and I had about eighteen students at the time in that six week period. And this building came free and we worked out we could afford to rent it. So I just was like, Yep, let's do it. And I remember we opened up on day one with we had these same eighteen students, um, but they didn't they didn't usually train on that day. So I opened up with essentially sort of no students booked for that day. I didn't do any promotion for it or anything. I just kind of op- I opened up and hoped that people would turn up. And well, I suppose luckily <laughs> I just said that I don't really believe in luck, but you know they people turned up. And you know, all these years later, we're, we're currently we're we're still a fairly small school at present. We're around. Um, no, I don't like to say around. I should know my stats properly. Let me just check. We are at two hundred and nine students at present. Um, 
the building itself though is really quite small so it does actually take quite a logistically quite a lot of juggling to get those students through the door six days a week um but yeah i i, I suppose the, the the process was one of just kind of doing it and hoping it would work which isn't really sensible in this day and age as i've mentioned before now we were lucky to have uh people that uh, uh people like gordon birch who i mentioned before who are a great source of information to go to because he's been there and done it he's he's had a school nearly lost a school and then built one up to sort of 400 plus students so you know that it, it's times now are much much better especially with social media social media is a, is is absolutely it's a brilliant tool for marketing your martial arts school um i i know some people are quite against marketing um and i can, and i understand why i do i do understand and respect why um but i think it can sometimes be a little bit risky to presume because you feel you're a good instructor and have good standards that people are going to turn up. Um, if you are a good instructor with good standards, there is nothing wrong with adding marketing to that mix as well. Um, because if you feel you're a good instructor that has something to offer, surely telling more people is a good thing. So social media it is absolutely brilliant. Works correctly, it is brilliant for that. Um, obviously, it can be used in the wrong way too. It can be used to make poor instructors with poor standards very successful and there is plenty of evidence of that i'm not going to obviously start naming people because that wouldn't be correct but i'm sure people have have seen plenty of evidence of that i've gone slightly off the question a little bit i know but i do have a tendency of doing that but yeah tom's uh, sorry nick nick thomas to answer your question um i, I kind of went went for it i had you know help from fa- uh, family and friends um uh, and thankfully it worked out um the next question number six from corin dexter um, you've been teaching for years. What keeps you motivated to go on to the mats every night and keep doing what you do? Um, this one has changed over the years. Initially, when I started out, it was purely for the love of teaching and martial arts. Now, that's not to say I don't love teaching and I don't love martial arts now. It's just after 20 years of teaching six days a week, it's changed a little bit. Um, for now, personally, it is it's having the opportunity to work. Obviously, I work with Fighting for Autism um, and the the awesome charity Jack and Jackie Chan's Dragon's Heart Europe. Um, and it is it's knowing now personally that being involved with teaching is it's not just helping my students um, that have challenges, and and it's also knowing that I'm able to work with people further afield to spread the word to help raise awareness and 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 raise money um and that for me now is my sort of it's my spark that keeps me going um we all have those days where we have terrible things happen um and as instructors we have to tie that knot in our belt or if you wear a belt um and then go on to the mats and sort of perform and put that smile on um and you know i have days like that as, as as all of us do um and it's the knowledge that I, you know if you you walk into a, 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 a to teach a class and you know let's say little jimmy i know i use him as an as an example quite a lot um little jimmy tells you about you know uh, he's had an experience of kids picking on him at school and you know he he, he used his martial arts either to protect himself or or to feel um he was strong enough to say no or to talk to a teacher it's little moments like that 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 keep the fire burning that keep you um engaged and, and wanting to be involved um there are days where sometimes i would just rather be working a very 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 basic job and um, the grass we all have days where the grass or you know grass seems greener but these these little instances these little spark moments come around um also often in it and it, it just keeps you going also this this podcast you know this this has been for me um uh, uh, an, another way for me to sort of channel my interest in martial arts um which uh, it's got me thinking about things differently which has impacted my 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 teaching as well um so hopefully that 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 answers your question somewhere <laughs> okay question seven penultimate question um from mr aiden james do you train and perform your kicks differently for films than you do for reality um Right, I don't train them differently, um, but I do perform them very, very differently. Now, I'm very, very, very keen on training um, 
conditioning, leg conditioning, uh, because uh, one of the things, um, obviously, right, let, let, let's just talk re- reality. When I say reality, I would say like, you know, s- something for sparring or something for outside. Um, obviously, two very different scenarios, but they both in- they both include levels of impact. Different levels of impact and different ways of getting from A to B nest- to a point, but they do both involve impact. Um, so when you're kicking a person or a pad, obviously your aim is to make contact um so the point at which you pull the technique is completely different now when you're working on films it depends on 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 who you're working with and the situation but more often than not you are um pulling your technique um so what i mean by that is you're you're essentially making it look like you've hit but you don't hit and done re- repeatedly um that you know it takes its it takes its toll on on your body you know your hamstrings and ligaments especially um so i am i'm sort of big big on 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 training conditioning especially coming up you know coming up 40 i know to some of you you say that's like oh you're just a kid but let's be let's be honest you know sort of anything over sort of 35 you really do start feeling it more and more um and the injuries creep in so um i I'm training kicking sort of daily, um, not sort of daily, no, actually daily. I'm always doing something um, because it's all very well being able to have a half an hour warm up and stretch in a nice warm gym um, with a matted floor and, and then kicking pads. If you're working on a film set um, and it's a night shoot and it's November and you've had about 20 minutes sleep, and then suddenly you've got to go, you don't really have time to warm up and stretch properly, uh, you've got all these factors, you've got you know, maybe some sort of elaborate wardrobe, you've got, you've got big boots on, something like that, you know, and you've still got to be able to go, and you've still got to have that control, so um, for me, keeping on top, top of my flexibility, my, my, my all-the-time flexibility, not after 20 minutes, sort of being always always ready to go and with a decent level of, of, of strength and conditioning so that I'm not going to go damaging things constantly um, and, and the training for, 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 for the film stuff actually lends really well to the, the, the training for the reality based stuff it's just obviously the the way in which we we sort of I suppose with the the performance stuff we we sort of make it flowery and look nice uh, we tend to lock the technique out freeze it at the point of impact just that little bit longer um, just so the camera can register it the audience can register it the person on the other end the performer can react to it um, so it's you know, a little bit less snappy and sometimes it has a little bit more of a pause to it uh, but. I just love kicking in general, really, I suppose. Um, final question from Kieran. Uh, his, uh, right, I'm going to guess this. I actually asked him how to say his surname. I'm going to guess it's Pande, or maybe the E is silent, in which case it's Pand. But anyway, um, what would I be doing if not for martial arts? And could you share with us a little about your martial arts journey? Okay, so what would I be doing if it wasn't for martial arts? I would... Now, being... I used to have a really hard time focusing on one thing for more than 10 minutes, but um, I was actually, at the time where I ended up teaching full-time, which is actually a bit of a story behind, which I'll share with you in a minute, um, I was um, at college. It would be 1998, 99, I believe. Um, I'd just done sixth form. I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do at university. Um, all my friends had all picked university courses and got that sorted, but I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I didn't want to just pick something and end up in a ton of debt because that was that was just when the whole university uh, charges thing came in, and I, so I thought, well, I'll I'll take a year out, but in that year out, I'll study. Um, it was like editorial design, um, so you know, like magazines, um, that sort of stuff. I was, I was always interested in in arts and design and drawing and um computers so i figured that was a good one to go into and i got about six months into it and as i mentioned earlier on i was really heavily into my training at this time um and it was actually the same chap i spoke of my instructor mr scott hines um i and i still feel terrible to this day um i accidentally caught him in the face with a technique uh which meant that he had to have a little bit of time out and um, his boss, my then instructor, uh, said to me, um, I, I, you know, and, and I later found out that he didn't. He was actually joking when he said it. Um, I'll, you know, I'll I'll see you in the morning then. Um, and I actually went and ended up working there for a week um, 
I, out of guilt. I just felt so guilty for hurting this guy, my instructor at the time. I sort of borderline hero worshipped. Um, and yeah, I ended up, I, long story short, I ended up working for the school. I, I did a week for them. And then not long after that, I was offered a, pos- a position of an instructor that was moving on. Um, and I saw, I've, I, saw, I sort of fell into the job. So if I wasn't doing this, I guess I'd be doing something ironically the same as this now sitting down <laughs> probably wouldn't be talking about martial arts but I would definitely be doing something sort of design work you know that sort of thing um, my martial arts journey I'll try and keep this one brief um, I started out in the late 1980s my instructor at the time was a guy called Dean Colborne um, I was training in Balby in Doncaster in the WTF, WTF now known as WT uh, Taekwondo style um, I started out, I think I was about eight years old, um, and I trained in that um, seriously for about two, three years, and then on and off till around about 1995, 96. Bounced around a ton of clubs that just kept closing constantly, as more clubs do. Um, I was grading under Master Tony Quigley at the time, who I remember used to scare the crap out of me as a, as a kid. Um, and then I ended up at uh, Master Kim Stone's school in Doncaster. That would have been around 97, 96, 97. Obviously training under the ITF Taekwondo and kickboxing style, where I stayed until I was... A, I, I trained past my black belt in 1999, and then I went on to work for work for them until around 2002, I believe it was, maybe three, um, and then uh, went on to open my own school. So uh, that's sort of like the compressed version of my martial arts journey. So hopefully that answered your question. Um, so that brings us to the end of the show. Um, again, I would like to thank you all for your support. And uh, and also, I'd like to say it's a bit of a funny one at the end of the show. Welcome to all our new listeners that have joined us now that we are more readily available on all the different um, platforms like iTunes and Stitcher and that sort of thing. Uh, uh, thanks an awful lot for your support. I really do appreciate it. Um, what have we got coming up next week? Well, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not entirely sure. I actually have a couple of really cool guests lined up, and I'm just trying to lock them down. Um, for dates so soon as i know more i will of course let everybody know but in the meantime if you guys have any questions suggestions or um, ideas for me if you can go to our website at www.martialartspodcast.co.uk or www.kickbackpodcast.com um, either of those you can drop me an email get in touch and give me any show ideas that would be really appreciate it Thank you to everybody. I hope you have a great weekend and I will speak to you all next week. Enjoy our podcast? Please remember to subscribe, rate and review Kickback with Chris on iTunes today.